Thanks to Grammarly for supporting this episode of Industry Focus. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com fool to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It's Monday, October 7th. I'm your host, Jason Moser, and joining me in the studio via Skype, certified financial planner, Matt Frankel. Matt, is it, uh, is it cooling down out there, down there in South Carolina at all yet? Yeah, it's about 75 today. It's beautiful weather here. Um, I feel like I haven't done a, a Skype in episode in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you were in town, and then you were off last week. We had Dan on the show, and now we've got you back. So, yeah, you had a little bit of a little bit of a stretch where you didn't have to rely so much on technology. But it's always always nice to to be able to have that to rely on. Um, You know, we have a big show today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff here. We've got uh, on today's financial show. We're talking about the latest news in real estate and crowdfunding. And Matt, you're going to go into that for us. We'll talk about uh, Facebook's Libra chalking up a loss. Uh, We'll have more of what's the last stock you bought and why. Of course, we'll have a couple of stocks for you to watch for the coming week. But first, Matt, let's jump into the big news from last week. And this is this was news that really played out on a number of different companies out there. On Tuesday uh, last week, Charles Schwab announced that it was eliminating commissions on stock trading altogether. And man, did that set off a chain of events. And, and, and by a chain of events, I mean, there was a lot of selling of a lot of these big-name brokerages that we know. And just looking at some of the numbers from some of the, of the bigger players in the space, last week, TD Ameritrade shares were down 28%. Schwab shares were down 15%. E-Trade was down 17%. And Interactive Brokers was down 11.5%. All on this news uh, where essentially these brokerages have now kind of gotten to the finish line of this race to zero. And, and, you know, we're not going to be able to really go back to charging for, for commissions, I don't think. Um, it, it affects some businesses a bit more than others. But talk a little bit about what you, what you thought about this news and, and what companies do you feel like this affects the most? Well, for one thing, this is an obvious win for investors. Um, I mean, commissions aren't usually a big part of my investment strategy. Um, but having said that, this makes it practical to say buy one or two shares of stock at a time, whereas before that wasn't, you know, if you had just like a couple hundred bucks in cash in your account, it wasn't really practical to buy, you know, one share of Apple. Right. Um, yeah. Now And now that investors can do that. So it helps you maximize your investment dollars. Um, I think the winners of this are surprisingly going to be the companies that were charging the most. Um, okay. Let me tell you why I think that. Um, just first of all, in full disclosure, I use TD Ameritrade as my broker. As do I've been I. A T- as do yeah, I. It, their product's fantastic. Yeah, it I is. think you I would agree. agree. I agree. Um, they're excellent access to research. Their educational tools are the best that I've seen, and I've I've used you know E-Trade and uh, Merrill Edge in the past, so I have some basis for comparison. Their their product is hands down the best, but. Th- it seems counterintuitive that they were charging the most, and I think they're going to be the biggest winner. So let me tell you why. <laughs> All right. So two big reasons. One, about 25% of their revenue previously came from commissions. That's pretty much going away. It's it's important to note that it's not going to zero. They're not eliminating all commissions. Right. Uh, for example, an options trade would still have a, somewhat of a commission. 
Um, so it's not going to go to zero. So let's say just for argument's sake, they lose 20% of their revenue. They've already dropped 28%. So I think that's more than priced into the stock at this point. Yeah, you would think. And But the most, the more important point is that, okay, so just to name three competitors, you have Robinhood that has been free. You have Schwab that has been charging, I think, $4.95 uh, previous to this move. And then TD Ameritrade that was charging six ninety five for a commission previous to this move, and it made sense. Robinhood was kind of a no frills platform, but it was free, so you you know catered to that crowd. Yeah, Schwab had a little bit more features, a nicer platform, you know, more research available, stuff like that, and it was mid priced. TD Ameritrade was a premium product that you paid for. Now you can get a premium product from a TD Ameritrade or an E Trade without having to pay that premium. Yeah. So I see a lot of people jumping ship from companies like Robinhood to bring their assets over to TD Ameritrade. They make money off, you know, interest income. They, you know, they, they earn some interest on people's idle cash balances. They make some money off that. They get some interchange fees for um, from the market makers when the, when people place orders. So they have a lot of other ways to make money off of customers' assets. So I see this being a net win for TD Ameritrade and E Trade. I think they're going to end up getting a nice, you know, trickle down effect from the the previously discounted brokerage because now there's no such thing as a as you know a discount brokerage. They're all zero, <laughs> yeah. uh, all the big ones anyway. So you're going to see them get a nice little stream of assets from people who were just with companies like Robinhood because they were free. Um, like if if you went to a, a Honda dealership and they were selling Hondas and Acuras for the same price, which one are you going to buy? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I do, I do. It makes sense to me, and it does seem like over the long. And I mean, I remember the days when commissions were fifty dollars. I mean, I remember calling my Edward Jones broker on the phone when I was younger and placing <laughs> placing a trade order and paying a fifty dollar commission. Now that'll make you think. Um, you fast forward to today. Obviously, I mean, I guess the point is the trend has always been going towards zero. So this this is not something where they're just ripping the bandaid off, so to speak, and going from fifty to zero. I mean, it's been a trend that's been established over a long period of time. Which I, I guess that's why I, I was I was a bit surprised to see such a reaction um, in the markets with, with these particular names. You know, specifically, I felt like. I don't know. To me, it felt like an overreaction. I feel like these are businesses that are very well-rounded, have a lot of different ways to win, uh, versus something like a Robinhood, as you were talking about before. Robinhood, really, that's a one-trick pony, so to speak. I mean, that that was their thing, was zero commissions. But they don't have much of a business built around that. And just because a private valuation had them at somewhere around $8 billion, I mean, we know how private valuations work out. We've watched this WeWork uh, drama play out, obviously, and it's not the only one. Uh, I would imagine the valuation on on Robinhood behind closed doors has taken quite a haircut already. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I tend to I tend to agree with you. I mean, it it is just a matter of of making sure that they figure out other ways to 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 find that growth, right? Yeah, I was going to say the market should be glad that Robinhood hasn't gone public yet. I mean, you think <laughs> the IPO market's had a bad year so far already? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, the if markets, they had gone public before this happened, <laughs> they would not be so. Um, they would not be so forgiving. I don't think. Right. I mean, I I, I put out a, a tweet about this right shortly after the news came out about what's the value case for Robinhood, and not one person responded with something like, oh, I'm going to stick with Robinhood because yeah. most people were like, oh, now I'm going to jump into E-Trade because I can afford to. Um, they're getting these this, these newer investors who are who have 
50, $100 at a time, who previously it was only practical to invest through a company like Robinhood. Yeah. And they're going to get this nice trickle effect from that. So there are more that, more ways these can grow. The, the loss commission revenue in all cases has been more than priced into these stocks. And I just I think this is a big win for investors. And at the newer valuation, it's a big win for for the companies. Yeah, and as investments, big win for investors, and 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 you know, of course, we're we're not saying, hey, because you can do it because it's free, get out there and just trade more. I mean, we're not saying big win from that perspective. Don't up, don't up your trading volume. That's that's obviously not the way we invest here. But I mean, you are getting your uh, trades for free now, which is nice. Just just obviously, don't don't let this encourage more short term trading behavior because we've seen. How that works out, it typically is is not good. It's certainly not in line with the way we invest. And, and like you, I mean, Matt, I, I I don't I don't I don't make a lot of trades. I mean, I don't really consider commissions when it comes to the trades or the, the purchases or sales that I'm making because I make so few. And, and typically, I really try to just be a net buyer of stocks anyway. Um, and, and so, yeah, when you look at it from that context, I mean, it's it's not going to kill either one of our bottom lines and it's not going to make either one of our bottom lines all that more robust but I do I do feel like when you look at these four businesses that I talked about earlier there in TD Ameritrade Schwab E-Trade and Interactive Brokers I mean to me you can almost and, and I mean dare I say take a basket approach and, and take advantage of of the market short-term pessimism here because these are four very proven businesses with um, models that seem to work it, it did strike me as, as a bit of an overreaction. I guess time will tell, but um, certainly, certainly, it's a new day for for investors, and, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I think it's a big win for investors. I think it's uh, in terms of you know being an, a stock investor and being an investor in these businesses. If you if you're looking for something to watch, it's not my one to watch this week, but I'll I'll go ahead and add companies like DD Ameritrade and E Trade to my watch list yeah. um, on the back of this news. All right. <laughs> okay, well, let's jump into real estate, Matt. As listeners remember, uh, you are working on one of our newest initiatives here at the Motley Fool in Million Acres, and you're helping bring the world of real estate investing to our members um, in in new ways. And, and real estate investing is very much in line with the financial stuff that we're talking about every week. And so we're really trying to incorporate more of this into our shows because it's a fascinating subject. It's one that I enjoy talking about. It's one that you know a lot about. And this week, we wanted to talk a little bit more about crowdfunding's role in real estate and how it works and how this plays out for everyday investors like our listeners. Sure. Well, here, I'll give you kind of a simplified explanation of how this works. Let's say that an experienced real estate developer finds this rundown hotel in like an old part of town and can buy it and renovate it and sees the opportunity to make a big profit. Let's say that they can acquire the hotel for $10 million. A bank might be willing to fund, say, seven of that. If this developer, which is known as the sponsor in this, would not want $3 million of their own capital tied up, they can approach investors to kind of raise the money from individuals. They put usually put up a little bit themselves, but so they can use investors to raise the rest of that money in exchange for a share of the profits. Nice. So similar to a REIT, except a few big differences. One, it's a single asset usually, like a hotel that they'll buy, then renovate and try to sell it, say, five or seven years later is a usual time frame. And that's the other big difference. There's usually a planned exit strategy. Yeah. Um, so 
there's a few reasons you would want to do something like this. Number one, the return potential is kind of is off the charts compared to just you know general stocks. Um, a lot of these deals target uh, rates of return in the 15 to 20 percent range, and although it's a pretty new industry, the early indicators are that it's pretty successful. Um, uh, on CrowdStreet, which is one of the most popular platforms, I think all but two or three of their deals that have been complete so far have uh, beaten 14% internal rates of return. Wow. A handful have done over 20. Um, so there have been some, there's money to be made here. Um, that would, a uh, 20% rate of return would double your money in roughly four years. So it's not too shabby. No. So there's a lot of money to be made here. Um, it's a good way to add diversification to your portfolio. This is a type of real estate that until recently had been inaccessible to individual investors on a single property basis. You know, you could buy a hotel REIT. Yeah. But that's until a collection the, of a lot of different hotels usually. And yeah. Right. It's not buying one asset with some way to add immediate value and then flip it at a profit. That's that was that has been inaccessible to individual investors f- throughout most of history. So there are some drawbacks to this. I mean, obviously, it's a riskier asset. Nothing that can produce a rate of return of 20% or so is without risk. And this yeah. is certainly not an exception. Um, so whenever you're trying to add value to an asset, there's a, a big element of execution risk. Um, if you're planning to renovate a hotel and then sell it at a higher price, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that strategy that wouldn't go wrong if you're just, say, buying hotels and renting them out and bringing in income. Sure. So so added risk is something investors want to keep in mind. And uh, liquidity. Um, generally, when you give one of these your money, it's tied up until the deal is completely done, until the hotel is bought, renovated, then eventually sold, um, or office building or strip mall or whatever you're, you happen to be investing in. So be pre- you, and there's not really a secondary market for this. Um, like if you buy a REIT, you can sell it at a click of a button if you want to. Yeah. If if you buy a say rental property, you can list it whenever you want to. It might take you a couple months to sell it, but you can sell it pretty much whenever you want to. With one of these, you really can't. You're pretty much tied up for the duration. There's no real secondary market for these. There's some interest in some of the platforms of creating some sort of market for these, but in general, if someone's targeting a seven year holding period be prepared to be locked in for seven years. Sure. So it has its ups and downs, but it's a really exciting new way to invest in real estate that the early results have been very promising. Yeah. I mean, real estate traditionally for a long, long time has been extremely prohibitive just because of the requirements needed to get in, right? You just, you need a lot of capital. I mean, whether you're trying to buy your own home or whether you're trying to buy a hotel or whether you're trying to invest uh, in some sort of real estate consortium. I mean, it is just, it all comes down to that bottom line of you need capital, which makes it a lot more difficult. But it's really nice to see uh, in this crowdfunding age that you're seeing options like this come online because, I mean, real estate, generally speaking, um, is an attractive investment. I mean, it's generally fairly reliable. Historically, it more or less kind of tracks the rate of inflation. Uh, there's some some outliers there, and certainly we can think of the early 2000s where there was a little <laughs> a little bit of a spike there. Um, but 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 for the most part, I mean, I, I do like. I mean, real estate is a part of of my investing philosophy. I mean, my investing strategy. My wife and I own um, 
you know, we're homeowners. And so that equity that we build up in that home is something that we are looking at down the road as part of, uh, you know, our, our strategy later on in life. So, but, but yeah, I mean, to get there kind of took a little while to save up some money and actually get that home. And so it's nice to see that uh, this is opening some doors for investors. And of course, folks with more questions, you can go check out millionacres.com uh, and all of the stuff Matt and, and the team are, are posting over there. And of course, uh, you can always fire your questions our way. And we'll be happy to uh, to take them here on the show as well. Matt, let's jump into PayPal here real quick, because this happened a little bit uh, later in the week last week. I, I can't say I'm surprised. I don't think you were surprised either. But, I mean, Facebook is already dealing with a lot now. PayPal has said, see you later, Libra. We, we uh, don't really feel like this is going to work out. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, Libra... It's is still not off the ground and running. I don't think that's that's really a shock to anyone. They've got a lot of a lot of hurdles to clear before anything can really happen. But PayPal, I think this is a big loss to me because PayPal is one of the names that that gave this concept uh, the most uh, credibility. I think. I mean, when you see a name like PayPal involved with something like this, Libra, you think that maybe there's something there. If you've got some some folks there in a, a mobile uh, Technology-driven finance company, uh, but but you know, hey, PayPal just said, "Listen, this is the juice ain't worth the squeeze, so to speak." Um, and so we'll see you later. What do you make of this news? So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, if you look, there's there are 28 companies that were that are part of the the Libra, I guess, gang, whatever yeah. you want to call it. <laughs> um, and a, a lot of them are not – they're big names but are not financial names like eBay, right. Lyft, Uber, yep. uh, Spotify. Those are great names, but none of them lend the credibility to a financial product that PayPal did. So I think this is not great news for Facebook. I think that this is not going to be the last one that jumps ship. Um, and I honestly think MasterCard and Visa are going to follow quickly um, just because – the big financial names, that's a big – a very heavily regulated industry. It is. And the, with the regulatory scrutiny that's been placed on the Libra project so far, they just want nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, companies like Coinbase and other you know blockchain companies are going to stay in um, and kind of see where this goes. But I think the big financial ones are going to get out. Uh, Stripe's another one. I think they're going to wind up backing out. Um, all the non-financial companies, I can see them kind of hanging around just to see where it goes because they, they really don't have a whole lot to lose by saying, okay, we're involved. But the big financials, I like pay, I think it's a good move by PayPal. Like we said, I, I don't re- we don't really see the point that much in Libra at this point. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's just it's not worth the risk to these companies. Yeah, it does strike me as I mean, we talked about Libra before and it seems like what the problem they're trying to solve, it seems like there are other companies out there that are really already solving that problem and doing a way better job of it. And it's more of their core competency. I mean, it's interesting to look at that uh at that circle of names that had signed up, uh signed on to this initiative. I mean, to your point, it wasn't just financials. I mean, you had eBay, Spotify, Zappo, uh I mean, Calibra, Bison Trails, Coinbase, um, Farfetch was in there, Booking Holdings even. I mean, so yeah, to your point, I think there are a lot of companies in there that it's really no harm for them to stay in that 
simply because there's there's virtually no downside. I mean, I, I could see they look at that and they think, you know what, this is an opportunity for us to expand our network, to expand our universe, uh, to grow our business and participate in something that could be meaningful given the size of face, Facebook's networks, right? And 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 so that's it's certainly understandable. Um, I tend to agree with you, though. I think we we probably see the bigger financials uh, go ahead and bow out because it is going to be a lot more work than it's probably worth to them. And you know, we talk about return on investment, and I mean, you can look at that from any number of angles. But you got to feel like the time and money that these big financials could potentially sink into an initiative like this, and in, in, in still not not realize anything from it, it it's rather significant. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Visa and Mastercard. Uh, go ahead and bow out uh, next, but I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, it, it, it's it's anyone's guess at this point. It certainly doesn't sound like Facebook is giving up on the initiative, uh, but it definitely did not make their job any easier. Uh, it is worth noting that for for its part, Libra confirmed that an upcoming council meeting on October 14th in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, where Libra Association is headquartered, that meeting is still on. So I guess we will just be keeping our uh, our eyes on on that next to, to see what develops here. Real quick, we want to thank Grammarly again for supporting this episode of Industry Focus. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, professionals like you, Matt, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Let's face it, friends. Communication matters, and writing is a skill that can separate you from the crowd. You want to close more deals at work this year with your emails? Boom! Grammarly. You want to polish your resume to get that new job? Bing! Grammarly. I've used Grammarly personally to clean up my rating. i got to say, it's easy to use, and it's always helpful. Grammarly is available across platforms, including online, desktop, and mobile. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar, but Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. It sounds good, doesn't it? Well, go to Grammarly.com slash fool to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash fool for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. Okay, Matt. You know, these past several weeks, we have jumped into this new segment of the show. Uh, we've been calling What's the Last Stock You Bought and Why? It started out as just a little innocuous uh, five minutes where you and I talked about a couple of stocks that we recently bought, and we encourage listeners to chime in. And man, you listeners are chiming in. We've got more than we can read this week, but I wanted to go through and read a few of them here. Uh, Desmond Walker at DW78 tweeted in. He said, I added NWVCF to my basket of stocks. Hashtag smarter, happier, richer. And for those of you that missed that ticker, that looks like N-Wave Corporation. Uh, so again, the ticker there for N-Wave was NWVCF. Thank you, Desmond. We hope that works out for you. Hubert B at Hubert B four four six eight two five nine six. Nice handle there, Hubert. He tweeted in. He said, "I think I'll continue to add Berkshire Hathaway's stock to my portfolio." Matt, I think I saw you responded to that. You said, "Well, that one always works, right?" Yeah, that's always a solid bet. I don't think you can go <laughs> wrong with that, no matter what the market's doing. No, you can't go wrong with that one. And Kevin at 
Swizzlow, too, tweeted in. He said, I had to add to the trade desk. I love the business and this company. Oh, I love this segment, too. It's pretty cool. Kevin, thank you. And we're going to keep this segment rolling because it seems like you're not the only one. I'm enjoying it. Matt's enjoying it. It sounds like the listeners are enjoying it, too. And lastly, I'm going to chime in and let everybody know that I, too, uh, recently added a stock to my portfolio. The last stock I bought, a company called Ansys, ticker is A-N-S-S. Uh, the value proposition in simulation software is crucial, I think, in the world today. It's helping engineers and designers save more money and time. Uh, and Ansys is the gold standard uh, in the simulation software industry. So I bought shares of Ansys uh, earlier in the week. Last week, uh, my my uh, time to be silent has expired, so I can now let everybody know that I did buy those shares and I intend on holding them for a long time. Uh, but like I said, we have more of these to read next week. And please email us at industryfocus at fool.com or hit us up on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. Let us know the last stock you bought and why. And I promise you, we'll read them on air. Okay, Matt, we're going to wrap the week up, as always, here with One to Watch. What is your One to Watch for our listeners this week? Well, just kind of continuing our, la- our discussion about Libra, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Facebook. I want to see what, what, how they react to PayPal <laughs> jumping out, if any. I want to see if Visa and MasterCard do end up jumping out. And I, I think if you see a bunch more jumping out, they're going to put, you know, toss the project out or at least put the brakes on it. Um, I think if they put the brakes on the project, that the stock go, that Facebook goes up. I think if you see all these partners jumping out and Facebook decides to you know push on with it, I think the stock might take a hit because of it. Yeah, I, I could see that. It's almost like you look at it, and you think, man, guys, take a hint. Don't waste any more time or money on it. But I, I guess we'll see. Well, I'm I'm gonna kind of uh, go in tandem with you here. I'm not not looking at Facebook, but I'm looking at PayPal uh, ticker PYPL, and it, it, this is a bit beyond the uh, Libra news, but. Other than the Libra news, some of you may have seen last uh, week or the again, maybe it was the week before, but there was news that PayPal, via a 70% interest purchased in Chinese payments company GoPay, now gives PayPal license to provide online payment services in China, which if you are wondering if that's a big deal, uh, well, I mean, you know, we're talking about a market opportunity that by 2023 is projected to be around $96.73 trillion dollars. Uh, now, listen, I mean, that's a big market opportunity, and I don't know that that necessarily all really applies to PayPal, but ultimately, we're talking about money that flows through these networks. That's PayPal's opportunity, and if you're talking about a company the size of China, then you're talking about a lot of money flowing through a big network, and PayPal getting entry into that market, that was really the hardest part. I mean, now it's going to be just about building out products and services for more people. Uh, you may wonder why PayPal. I mean, it, it, perhaps they're just seen as the best option in a tech-driven uh, payments world. I'm not sure. I mean, we obviously like it for a lot of reasons, but it's a company that was built on the technology as opposed to one that's pivoting towards technology. And then uh, you can't forget about that big cross-border opportunity. And we've seen MasterCard and Visa both investing heavily uh, in that opportunity. So I think this is going to be a great long-term opportunity for PayPal. I uh, was excited to see that news. How about you, Matt? Yeah, definitely. I'm. I am a big fan of PayPal, as you know. I am. That's another one that I'm thinking about buying. You, you. When we were talking about the recent stocks we bought, that's. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but that's one that I'm thinking about finally getting back into. 
All right. Well, we'll let you shut up about it so you can at least uh, take advantage of it if the opportunity arises. Matt, thanks for joining us this week. It's always good talking to you. Always a pleasure. All righty. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show is produced by Austin Morgan. Austin, the golf swing Morgan. Go check out his Twitter feed, guys. You know what I mean. For Matt Frank, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.